unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather and we've got a very special guest today. So I'm going to kind of stay on the background. I'm going to play the fly on the wall role. I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay, Nathan. Well, I, I won't bore you with all my home remedies like eating raw onions and stuff for feeling better. Um, let's get right into it. And uh, thanks for showing up. I know you're not feeling that well. So in the past, on this podcast, we've talked about a concept called the big idea. And we have a report from the field today with the best expert I know or know of on this topic, who's Joe Schriefer. Um, just on the slight chance that you've never heard of him, Joe heads up Agora Financial in Baltimore, which contains five publishing companies or imprints, as they prefer to call them. When you put them all together, in my opinion, Agora Financial as a whole makes up the biggest and most profitable big idea production studio in the world. Now, I've known Joe a while. Joe is a humble man. And so, Joe, I can see you recoiling from your microphone in Baltimore as I'm saying all this. And I do need to disclose that Joe is a friend and a client. So you'll understand that relationship as we continue into the podcast. And first, I have my habitual advisory. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Joe, thanks so much for taking time to be here and welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying before we got started, you know, anybody that's a friend of Dave Garfinkel's is a friend of mine. So anything that I could do on the call today to add absolutely any value to anyone listening, you know, at home or in their car or while running on the treadmill at the gym, I'm very, very happy to do so. I am a complete open book. I don't believe that secrets are meant to be kept. I believe they're meant to be shared. So any secrets, you know, tips, strategies I could share with everybody at home, I'm very willing to do so. Well, thanks. That's that's consistent with what I've experienced with you from the time we met. So let's let's dive into our topic today. Let's talk about the big idea. I know that Ryan McGrath, who also works at Agora Financial, has this great three-step process for big ideas that we've talked about before. Could you share it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, before we get into that, though, just a quick word about the big idea, because I want to make sure that everybody understands the importance of that. Uh, yeah. We at Agora Financial, we do not begin writing any copy. We don't put any words to paper until we believe that we have nailed that big idea. So, you know, a lot of people, when they look at copywriting, they think, oh, you know, because writing is contained in the compound word. They think that they need to open up a, a Word document or to grab a notepad and begin writing as soon as possible. That is normally the number one mistake that I see out there in copy is that people aren't thinking hard enough about the ideas. That to us, what I always tell our writers is that the writing comes very secondary to the big idea. 
So I'll get to that three-step process in a moment, but I did want to just kind of hammer home the importance of having a big idea. My favorite quote about you know, copywriting comes from Abe Lincoln, of all sources, who said that, I think he said something like, if you give me five hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. So if you apply that to copywriting, you know, if, hey, if you give me 30 days to write a promotion, I'll probably spend the first three weeks thinking about the big idea. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that importance is that we spend a significant amount of our time thinking about the big idea that sits behind the promotion before we physically begin writing. So with all of that said, yeah. um, the big idea is the the hardest thing for us to grasp, right? The the number one thing that doesn't make a promo work is the big idea. It's also the hardest thing to explain to everybody. So a good friend and colleague of mine that helps me run our copy team here in Baltimore, his name is Ryan McGrath. You just mentioned him. Uh, Ryan is a brilliant copywriter, and he came up with this three-step system that is probably the best explanation of how to get to a big idea that I've ever heard. So uh, he does deserve credit for it. And I'm going to tell it to you guys right now. So the first step is that you have an ordinary idea. So I'm going to tell you these, and then I'll show you how we would transform an ordinary idea into a big idea. But first, let me go through the steps. Step number one is that you have an ordinary idea. Step number two is that you want to turn that ordinary idea into something extraordinary. So how do you turn the ordinary into the extraordinary? Uh, very much like a magic act, right? So in magic, they turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. They warp reality. So that's what you're looking to do in between step number one and step number two is to turn an ordinary idea into something extraordinary. And then step number three is the expression of that extraordinary idea is your headline complex. So people confuse that all the time because when we talk, when we ask people for big ideas, they regurgitate headlines to us. And the headline is only the expression of that extraordinary idea. It's not necessarily the big idea. So again, just to really repeat that three-step process, number one, you start with an ordinary idea. Number two, your objective is to turn that idea into something extraordinary. And number three is that you should express that extraordinary idea into a headline complex. So with that said, let me just give you an example so everybody can kind of see how this works. Uh, as David mentioned, you know we operate in the financial markets here at Agora Financial. So almost every one of the examples that I could give to you today is going to be in those financial publishing markets. So if you look at an, a very ordinary idea in the financial markets, it might be something like dividends are a great way to grow your money, and everybody should invest in dividend-paying companies because historically they've paid more than your savings account. So that would be a very ordinary idea. Yeah. A way in the past that we've moved that ordinary idea into the into an extraordinary category would be, let's say, you know, we put a copywriter on that idea and we say, hey, we want you to write about dividends or that's what you're excited about. So let's go ahead and write a package about dividends. Uh, but we're not going to write an ordinary idea. You know, we want to write a big idea. We want to write an extraordinary idea. So let's say the copywriter goes and they research that idea and they come across, let's say, a piece of research that shows that the Canadian pension plan, which is their version of Social Security, has been growing at an unprecedented rate. And let's say that that copywriter finds that to be a pretty compelling idea, because if you look at American Social Security, everybody knows that it's not much Social Security at all. It doesn't pay a lot. 
you know, it's broke. Uh, it, it wastes all the money that it gets into the system. So if you look at American Social Security, the trust fund behind it has been declining for years and may even turn negative soon. But in this piece of research, let's say this copywriter has found that the Canadian pension program, their version of Social Security, has been growing like wildfires. And you know why they've been growing like wildfires is because they invest in dividend-paying companies. So at this point in kind of this example, the copywriter who developed this idea thought that they may have been onto an extraordinary idea. So what they found is that an American can now piggyback on what they were calling Canadian Social Security to receive income checks that in the amount of $400 to $4,700 every month on top of what you were receiving as American Social Security. So there is kind of that transition in between the, the, the ordinary is dividend-paying stocks. The extraordinary there is that Americans can now legally piggyback the Canadian pension plan, which has been growing like wildfires over the past couple of years, by buying the same dividend-paying stocks that the Canadian pension plan itself was investing in. So that's kind of the migration of an ordinary idea into an extraordinary idea. And then the expression of that idea, uh, I'm not going to know the exact headline off the top of my head, but I think the headline was something like, uh, now legal for all Americans in all 50 states, colon, how any American can legally piggyback Canadian Social Security and receive income checks of $400 to $4,700 each and every month for the rest of their lives. And then it had a testimonial from someone who had bought one of these dividend-paying companies. So. I hope that demonstrates the the difference between what we would call an ordinary idea, you know, dividend paying stocks to a big idea which is legally piggybacking the Canadian pension program or pension plan. So that's really the best way that I've ever heard uh explained and again my colleague Ryan McGrath does deserve credit for that. So uh just to repeat that process, number 1 you start with an ordinary idea, number 2 you turn that ordinary idea into something extraordinary. And number three, your headline complex becomes the expression of that extraordinary idea. So I hope that gives everybody at home kind of some context for you know what a big idea is and how it kind of works within Agora Financial. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, I've heard the story. I think it's Scott Bardelli, right? That is the copywriter who came up with that. You are correct. Yep. And I've I've never heard it explained um, um, quite that step by step and in in depth, and I understand it a lot better. One thing I'd like to uh, point out or maybe ask you about is you said he was doing research. Okay, great. He probably did a lot of research before before that thing popped up. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. So again, you come back to that Abe Lincoln quote, right? You give me five hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. So almost all of our promos and almost all of our ideas are very, 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 very heavy on research because that is the sharpening of the axe. So, you know, I couldn't even begin to tell you how much time that gentleman that you mentioned, Scott Bardelli, who wrote that package, spent on research. But it, it had to be, um, my guess is it was no less than 80 to 120 hours. My guess is two to three weeks of his professional working life was spent on purely researching with the idea of how do I turn an ordinary dividend-paying idea into something extraordinary. So he knew what the end purpose of that research was, which I think is another important to, point to make, is that if you do research, you should damn well know your end purpose of that research. He knew he wanted to make extraordinary 
the idea of buying dividends. So he knew what his purpose was. You know, spent two to three weeks of it, uh, of his research, just looking for how to do that. And that's what he finally found. And then he wrote the package relatively quickly after he had the big idea. Yeah, thank you. And for, for people who aren't as um, familiar with this as, as maybe you are, maybe I am, um, just to be clear, when he started his research, he wasn't thinking about Social Security and he wasn't thinking about the Canadian system. He was thinking about dividends. And he must have... Um, you know, sifted through dozens or hundreds of other possibilities before he came up with this one. Is that likely or is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what people can't see, right, is the interaction that Scott and I were having during the course of his research. But Scott found uh, probably four or five other ideas that weren't as strong during the course of his research. And what he would do is he'd come running into my office and he'd, uh, he'd burst through the door like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and he'd say, hey, uh, what do you think of this idea? And he'd pitch me an idea. And I think I would just stare back at him. I don't think I would say, hey, I don't like it. But I think I'd just stare back <laughs> at him kind of blankly. And then he would just shut the door behind him and be like, yeah, I know that's not the one. <laughs> and then yeah. finally, one day he came in and he, you know, again, he bust through the door again. And he goes, what do you think about this idea? Americans can now legally piggyback Canadian Social Security, which has been growing like wildfire and pull down these checks for $2,200 a month. And I was like, bingo, that's the one. So no doubt Scott found four or five other ideas in his quest to end up with a really big idea. Okay, that's, that's really important. And, and thanks for that, that detail. And so we're talking about Scott. I think it's fair to say you have other copywriters who've really mastered the art, or maybe not the art so much as the process. Um, because it, it is a process, um, and I guess it can be taken to an art form, of coming up with a big idea. What do they do? How did they do it? How, where do they start? Where do they stub their toes? How do they get good at it? You know? Sure. I think the, the first is going to be uh, understanding the state of the market and the state of the prospect. So we spend a significant amount of time before we ever begin researching ideas, trying to say what's top of mind right now, what conversations are going on in the prospect's head. And of course, to understand that, you have to understand who the prospect is. So uh, we, we just got done, uh, David, you know this, but I'll, I'll tell some of your audience who probably doesn't. Uh, at Agora Financial here, we offer what I believe to be the most robust copy training of any direct response company uh, out there. Uh, it's a, a little over a two-month uh, kind of indoctrination period that we put all of our copywriters, all of our new copywriters through, and we cover everything in there. You know, everything from a big idea to the prospect. And what we did this year for the prospect is uh, I bought these little dolls, and I can't say this word right. I, I come from a very uh, poor part of Baltimore that, that has a kind of odd accent to it. That when I say doll, I don't even know if I say it correctly, but my wife busts my ass all the time that I don't say it correctly. She thinks it sounds like D-I-A-L. I'm trying to say D-O-L-L, -L, like, a, like a Barbie doll, right? But we yeah. bought a doll, 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 I can't say it right, um, for all of our new copywriters, and we gave it to them, and it was this doll called Grandpa Kurt. And he stands about five inches tall, and he's obviously this, this grandfatherly-looking figure. And we gave that to all of our new copywriters, and we told them a story about Grandpa Kurt, because that is, in Agora Financial, our avatar. Uh, and we tell them a story that Grandpa Kurt is 71 years old, and he is a retired dentist. 
he put himself through dentistry school by working very hard at car washes in his early teens and late teens. And he made a nice little dentistry practice for himself. He made good money over the years. He gave that money to Wall Street at some point, and they ruined him. You know, they didn't get him out of the tech wreck in the early 2000s. They didn't get him out of the housing collapse in 2007 and 2008. And now Grandpa Kurt is very distrustful of the mainstream. He's distrustful of mainstream finance. He's distrustful of Wall Street. He's distrustful of the mainstream media. So what Grandpa Kurt has done is taken his money in retirement, and he's either found us or we found him. You know, we are the alternative information and idea publishing business centered around finance, and we're going to help Grandpa Kurt uh, control and run his own money. So that is our customer avatar. And again, I told this story and I gave them during our copy camp program, I gave them these little dolls to put on their desk. And for every idea they came up with, I asked them to look and stare at Grandpa Kurt and ask themselves what Grandpa Kurt would think about this idea. Because things become very transparent and very clear when you know who you're writing to. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. For instance, you know, if we had an idea here about creating a product to make yourself a social media influencer to make thousands of dollars every month, Grandpa Kurt would probably not like that idea because he's not going to see himself as a social media influencer. So maybe that's a great idea and product for Ty Lopez you know, in his business, but it's not going to be a great idea and product for us here at Agora Financial because Grandpa Kurt is not going to like it. So I say all that to say that you know, step number one in finding your ideas is to really understand who you're writing to. Who is that target market? And then second from there is to understand what conversations are going on in that customer's mind. You know, what's keeping them up at night? What are they worried about? What do they desire? What do they value? What legacy do they want to leave for them to their children or grandchildren? So, of course, once you find all of that out, uh, you know, you can have a much better time of going through this three-step process to try to find your big idea. So any stumbles or stubbed toes, like you were saying, really comes on the fact that our writers at some point may not truly understand who they're writing to, uh, or they just get the idea wrong. Because, I mean, we still get the ideas wrong. As hard as we try to put these processes in place and to systemize the creation of an idea, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, we still fail at 60 to 70 percent of our copy. So that's going to be another stumbling point is that we, we have everything right, we think, except we just get the idea wrong. And that's still happening between 60 and 70 percent of the time, even with all of these systems and processes in place. So those are going to be the two stumbles. Either number one, uh, someone doesn't understand what the avatar, who the avatar is or what they fear or desire, or we just get the idea wrong, which happens all the time. 
Okay, thanks. And and when they do get it right, it's not just that they got lucky, right? Is is there anything more to it than I mean, those are huge things that a lot of people gloss over that should they shouldn't. So I, I really appreciate your mentioning them. I'm totally with you. But besides uh, you know, first of all, um really understanding your target prospect and then knowing the conversation going on in their mind, the top of mind things that they're thinking about. Are there other things that copywriters who are good at this have mastered or even gotten good at and are still mastering? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that we have here that's changed our business in the past couple of years, uh, aside from, of course, building our copy team and everything like that, but it's the ability to write fast. And that shouldn't be underestimated because uh, there's a lot of people out there that might be brilliant thinkers, but they might take too long to write things. So another reason that a lot of our uh, people have succeeded in the past couple of years is that, again, they'll think slow, but they'll write fast. Uh, and that's radically different than thinking slow and writing slow. So I'll give you a perfect example of that that is a stumble of somebody that could have been a runaway success if they had had the timing right. But let me give you kind of a, a paint the picture. Uh, we had a copywriter here in 2016, in early 2016, take on a project. And it was a, um, I'll give you, a, I'll wrap this whole thing up by telling you the ordinary idea. I'll tell you the extraordinary idea, and then I'll tell you where the copywriter stumbled on that idea. The ordinary idea is that our editor, we had a financial guru in the macro space that believed that worldwide governments would freeze people's bank accounts and people's stock accounts during the next crisis. That was the ordinary idea. The extraordinary idea was something that we called ICE-9. And Ice Nine came from an old Kurt Vonnegut novel called Cat's Cradle. Oh, yeah. I remember. If you remember that. And the storyline was something, and I'm going to screw this up a little bit, but if you remember something like, um, you know, the government had created this molecule that would freeze every other adjacent molecule to it. So therefore, if you had dropped this molecule on a desk, you know, it would freeze the entire desk, which would freeze the floor of your office, which would freeze the walls of your office and effectively shut down the entire world. And it would be this very dangerous substance called ICE-9. So we were predicting that there would be an ICE-9 event in the financial markets. And again, I want to um, put the point on this is I want to tell you that this is probably early 2016 that we started working on that idea. Uh, David, what came up in late 2016 that was a big event for everybody in the United States? What happened in late 2016? Uh, presidential election? Correct. <laughs> so we started working on this in early 2016. We thought very long and hard about it. We thought we had the idea right, and we thought that we could blame Hillary for the coming collapse. And when that collapse happened, she would systematically unleash ICE-9 in the financial markets and shut down everything at once and steal Americans' wealth as a way to bail out the system. We thought we had that big idea nailed. The yeah. copywriter wrote that package and they launched it. They took six months to write that package, six months. So they thought slow and they wrote slow. And then they wrote that package and it debuted three days before the election. And we had great results. And then what happened in the election? Trump won. Trump won. And guess what didn't work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that promo. That promo. <laughs> so I, I, that's kind of a, a to kind of tell you a couple lessons in one. You know, that's one lesson on the the ordinary idea into the extraordinary idea. The other lesson is that I, I want our guys to think slow and write fast. 
And that's really what's been working for our guys in, you know, in the past couple of years, because the market in the financial markets changes constantly. It's not like the health market. In the health market, I don't know what the top three, four, five killers of Americans are probably the same as what they were three, four, five years ago. Yeah. Maybe they shift around. You know, maybe Alzheimer's becomes the number four killer instead of the number five killer. But in the health markets, we all lie awake at night thinking the same thing. In the financial markets, it changes constantly. So uh, our guys have to be able to write fast. You know, what is in today's headline for a financial side of the news might not be in tomorrow's headline. You know, if the stock market goes down for a week, people are afraid. We need to get copy out there quickly that would show them how to make money in falling markets or protect their money in falling markets. If we take too long to write that, it might turn around. So that's going to be the other secret, quote unquote, of our guys is really having the ability to think slow and write fast. So if if the Ice Nine writer had written this in five months instead of six months and you launched it in early October, the promo would have probably cleared three or four or five times as much, right? Oh, not even that. I bet you it'd be multiples of that. I bet you, you know, had they written it a month and a half earlier, uh, I bet you they would have made 50x the royalties that they made. Wow. Okay. If not more. Like, it's almost tough to say. I think it would have, the promo I think was good to the point that, you know, we just got the macro situation wrong, but uh, it was hitting the markets. It would have hit the markets so hard at the right time, especially, you know, around that time that uh, that terrible uh, tape came out of Trump saying what he was going to do, whatever he was going to do uh, to women while he was on that E Hollywood bus, you know, where yeah. his uh, uh, people thought that he was never going to win the election after that. So if that promo had come out there when people were convinced and afraid of Hillary winning the election, when Grandpa Kurt, you know, effectively was convinced and afraid that Hillary was going to win the election, that promo would have made that copywriter 50 to 100 times more royalties. Wow. OK, um, boy, that that's a that's a powerful lesson. It's worth letting sink in, but but we need to move forward. So I'm going to ask you a question, Joe, that I, I know you're open and sharing, but this may be impossible to answer, but I'm going to try. Sure. Um, you have an amazing eye for what will work, I've noticed. And, and what I'd like to do is tell you what I've figured out about what you do when you evaluate um, a big idea. And um, maybe you could tell me what else you've done or you do to keep your eyes and your ears sharp. Uh, because um, you say 67%. I don't know if people realize that's a pretty high percentage of success in this business. I figure a lot of your, um, I don't know, your ear, your eye, your 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 intuition comes from a combination of experience of things that have worked, things that haven't worked. And I imagine another big piece comes from the fact that you read so much copy and you keep track of what other people are, are writing and mailing and putting online all the time. And then of course, as you mentioned, Grandpa Kurt really knowing the target customer well. But you know, other other people do that. Um, the writers do that and, and somehow you've got a sense that they don't. So am I right about those things and what am I missing? Sure. I think what you're missing is the gazillion failures that I've had over my career, you know, because you, you may not hear about those. You only hear about the successful things that we all have fun bragging about. You know, what people can't see is how many times I've failed, how many times I've tried a, a ton of different things. And I personally have wholly gotten it wrong. So those failures are going to be another thing to add to it, because I think it's in those failures that I've learned something. You know, I've learned how not to write a package. I've learned what hasn't totally been a big idea. I've learned that timing matters. So 
if I had any, if I had to boil it down to three things that helped me spot a big idea, I would say number one, it's my previous failures. Number two, reading more copy than anyone else on earth. I believe, and I'm not saying this to brag because it's not something to brag about because of everything. Uh, comes at a cost in your life, of course. But I think I read more financial sales letter copy than anybody else in the world. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to brag about that because you asked my wife, and that's something not to brag about because I'm not. She doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. no, no, anytime that she's actually talking to me and I'm staring into outer space because I'm thinking about financial copy, she does not like this idea. <laughs> um, but I do, you know, number two, I do read what I believe to be more financial sales letter copy than anybody else in the world. And number three is kind of an intra-Agora secret, uh, which is every day being part of Agora. Agora Financial is one part of the greater Agora. Um, we're all independently run businesses. So Agora Financial is run by myself and a few other people. Uh, all of our biggest financial competitors are all in-house, but they're sister companies to us underneath the Agora umbrella. And what Agora does is they email out every single morning at 6.18 a.m., they email out a sales report for the previous day, and it lists top to bottom who was sold what and what amounts. So every single day, I see what's resonating in the market. Mm. So I see not only, of course, how our sales letters have performed, because I could see that all the time because you know they produce profits or don't, but I could see everything of what my biggest competitors' sales letters have done. So I could see themes and ideas that are resonating in the market. So for instance, if I see that the top three selling products in Agora are all cryptocurrency products, you know, I know that cryptocurrencies are hot for Grandpa Kurt. I know that they're a top of mind item for Grandpa Kurt. So when I sit down to write my next sales letter, when I sit down to evaluate the next big idea that comes across my desk, you know, I'm able to view it through the lens of what I know is working in the marketplace right now. And that's a real amazing competitive advantage that we're gifted to us here at Agora. It, it, it is. Um... Wow. Um, so when someone, when, when uh, Scott Bardelli bursts through your door, like the Kool-Aid man, um, and he gives you an idea, what goes through your mind? You probably, you can, it's, it's probably like, you're almost like a tuning fork, right? Either it resonates or it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I say, hey, you know, it happens, like you said, exactly, almost instantaneously. And I think if I had to boil it down to one action item, you know, a binary thing, it's am I excited by this idea or am I not? And that's something you'll almost instantly know. You know, it, it's almost like people saying that there's love at first sight. You know, are you instantly attracted to this idea or or not? Uh, and those are really the only two buckets that I can put an idea in. And I try my best to, you know, whenever I'm pitched an idea to assume that I'm Grandpa Kurt, right? I'm not Joe Schrieffer who's uh, at this point in his life, 38 years old, sitting in Baltimore. You know, I'm Grandpa Kurt. I'm 71 years old. Uh, I, I'm not uh, content on surviving on Social Security. And I don't like that I'm earning nothing in my savings that I spent my entire life building. And I'm scared of what could happen. I'm scared I might outlive my money. So I try to put on my, you know, most inner Kurt. Uh, and I think, am I excited by this idea or not? And almost instantly, uh, I can tell that. Uh, and, and again, I'm wrong a lot. Uh, but hopefully for the times I'm right, uh, you know, we can build the business around it. So I, I do want to make sure that everybody understands out there that 
you know, as much as I could talk about this on a podcast, uh, truth is I'm still wrong a lot, uh, probably a lot less than what I was a couple of years ago. And hopefully it's a lot more than what I'll be in a couple of years. Uh, so, you know, my hit rate keeps going up as my experience level goes up, but, uh, that's really it. You know, am I, am I excited by this idea or I'm not, I, I always tell everybody that I think I'm at the point in my career where I can spot an absolute bomb. I can spot a loser. So if someone tells me an idea and I'm like, just like, no, I don't like that idea. I hate that idea. Uh, then I'm pretty good about spotting that. My track record is pretty high. If I hear an idea that I'm mediocre, excited by, or, you know, really excited by, um, that's where, you know, it can get different right now because I don't think I could spot an absolute blockbuster, but I can spot an absolute bomb. So anything that I'm generally excited by, you know, I let go to marketplace and I tell the writer, let's just test it. And I'm still constantly surprised sometimes of, you know, what promos are blockbusters and which promos are just decent promos. Um, but coming back to the you know, full circle to the, to the question, yeah, if I get pitched an idea, I try to put on my grandpa curtain. I say, am I excited by this idea or am I not? Okay. I mean, that's fair. And it's, it's not like you, you have this magic excitement gene. It's like you have a lot of experience and a lot of current day knowledge, um, that that's combined right with all of those things. Together. Absolutely. I would tell everybody listening and the same thing that I tell all of our, uh, copywriters that join us here to go through this indoctrination phase of learning financial copy. Uh, which is, I think there's a three-step process to becoming very, very, very good at the big idea. And it's a little bit more theoretically driven or philosophically driven than you know the actionable idea of ordinary, extraordinary expression of the ordinary. But three things I think everybody should do every single day to get really good at this is, number one, write down an idea every single day. Okay. And we always say Saturdays and Sundays are days, too. They have that in the you know, ass end of the word. So write down an idea seven days a week. Number two is read a promotion every day of the week. So read seven promotions, write down seven ideas, and write a page of copy every single day. And do that for 10 years. So you do that, and you'll be pretty good about knowing your market, knowing what's resonating, uh, knowing what a big idea is, and having failed at other ideas. So you know, write down an idea a day read a promotion a day and write a page, a copy a day and do that for years. And that is the formula. Uh, I wish there was a better shortcut. You know, I wish I had a life hack. Um, there's no substitute for doing what I just said. So you do that, you, you'll become very good at copywriting. That's, that's awesome. You know, have you ever heard of Hans Zimmer, the, uh, the composer for movies, the film yeah. composer? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I took a master class from him and he said something very interesting that you just reminded me of. He said that he, you know, people think he's crazy, but he never takes vacations. He says, cause you know, nobody really knows where music comes from, mm -hmm. but you never know when they're going to turn off the tap. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, what you're talking about, I think is a little, little more known and a little more rational, a little more doable for people, but it, it's still, you, you got to keep doing it if you want to be good at it. And I, I love, I love that, uh, those three steps, those are good. So we're running out of time today, but I know that, um, every other copywriter I talk to wants to become a copywriter at Agora Financial. So I don't know if you have any job openings, but if someone wants to do that, what would you suggest? What, what are your, what, what's the way to apply for a job like that? 
Yeah. Um, first, we always have job openings. You know, copywriters are a thing that we never stop hiring for. Uh, in the industry, I'll hear people say this crazy stuff to me, like, you know, what's the proper size of your copy team, or how many writers are you looking to hire? And I never understand why these people are asking me this because my answer is I will hire as many good people as I could possibly find at any point that I can find them, and my team will never be big enough. Uh, if you look at the growth that we've had in Agora Financial over the past couple of years, and if you plot the amount of copywriters that have been that have joined our business over the past couple of years, the growth line and the amount of copywriters are almost perfectly correlated. So no matter when anyone is listening to this podcast, you know if it's uh, the month that we recorded it or if it's five years later, we're always looking for copywriters. So I always have job opportunities open for copywriters. With that said. Uh, you know, we've hired a ton of copywriters over the years. I've probably done business with 100 plus copywriters in the past uh, four years, let's say. And the thing that I, I boiled it down into three things that I think make a copywriter succeed within Agora Financial. Number one is, and I'm not doing any of these in any order, so of importance, but number one is going to be curiosity. You have to be a very curious uh, person. So if you're the type of person that doesn't question the mainstream, you're not going to work with us. You have to be a person that would dig and dig and dig and try to search for answers. So intellectual curiosity is number one. Insane work ethic is number two. Uh, I wish that I could say that copywriting is easy, that you can go succeed and you know put your feet in the sand and uh, earn millions of dollars. I've never seen it. Maybe I'm just too dumb and I don't have the raw intelligence. But all of our copywriters are the hardest working people in the business. So number two is going to be work ethic. And number three is going to be the ability to fail without feeling like a failure. And what I mean by that is that our hit rate is not very high as new copywriters. I've seen a lot of people with egos where they come in, they fail, and they can't, have, they can't do it again. They're too afraid to do it again because it's been such a public failure. So the key people that succeed have the ability to fail without feeling like a failure. They can have a promotion go out, and it could be terrible. And they could say, what do I learn from that promotion and how do I do it better next time? And they get right back up on the proverbial horse and they go right back at it. So those are the only three things that I see is, is curiosity, uh, hard work, and ability to fail without feeling like a failure. If people possess any of those things, then they should simply email me. So I give out my personal email address all the time. Some people think it's crazy uh, because I get spammed like crazy, but uh, I'm going to give it to you. It's, uh, it's J, my first initial. And then my last name, Schriefer. So it's J-S as in Sam, C-H-R-I-E-F as in Frank, E-R, at agorafinancial.com. J-S-C-H-R-I-E-F-E-R at agorafinancial.com. Someone should just write to me and uh, get my attention. You know, one of the hardest things that we have to do in our lives as copywriters is to get our prospects' attention in an insanely competitive advertising world. So I just want someone to do something strange, get my attention, tell me some benefit of why I should open that email. If they can't get my attention, then I'm not going to call them back, obviously. I don't want people to send me a resume. I've never had any correlation of resume you know, into a good copywriter. I've had people that have earned millions of dollars uh, without a college degree, and I've had other people with Ivy League educations that we've had to let go of. So I don't care about a resume. I care about you getting my attention, and I care about you telling me why my life is going to be better and easier if I do business with you. So those are the things I'm really looking for. And if someone could do that, then it's probably a, a good chance we could do some business together and uh, improve the lives of our grandpa Kurtz, our customers, 
improve our lives and uh, have fun doing it together. Joe, this has been awesome. So much value and um, and interesting, unique information. I want to thank you. Would you come back next week to talk about how you've grown Agora Financial into, you know, this huge company that it is? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy to do this. And like I said earlier, anybody that's a friend of yours is uh, a friend of mine. So happy to provide whatever value I can for you and your podcast listeners. Okay. Well, thanks. And um, uh, everyone listening, we'll see you next week. If you found this show valuable and you'd like to get it in the ears of other people, the best way to do that is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes.